Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey, this is Jay Madison and you're listening to Jay Madison's Rural America. I'm your host along with my co-host. He's back from the fields of uh, Jefferson County. The one, the only, Mr. Ron Robbins. How are we doing, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> now, that was a little bit of a low you know, low energy entry after I gave you such a damn good buildup. Just trying to be realistic, Oh, Jay. man. <laughs> Holy cow. I tried to make him a rock star, folks, and, you know, he just you know, shoots me oh. down. No, Shoots me it's, down. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we are back from the fields. Harvest is finally, for us anyway, wrapped up. Yeah, it, are most of the farms up here in northern New York wrapped up, do you think, or do you think there's still I a lot out there? I think there's still probably about 20% of the, of the harvest yet to be brought in, uh, kind of here in the general region. Uh, weather just has played havoc this year. It was late. We... You know, we've talked about the fact we had smoke. We didn't. We lacked sunshine, which pushed crop maturity back, and um, so that made us late. And then October and November, I don't think I think you could count the sunshiny days on one hand. Yeah. And you know, so a lot of rainouts, and uh, and then of course, you know, the normal things of equipment breakdowns, supply chain issues, not be, not able to get parts equipment reliability, um, not being what it used to. Uh, so lots of, uh, lots of challenges, but we wrapped up. We're pretty successful year overall and we're kind of buttoned down the hatches for winter here. Well, it's good to see you wrapped up. Uh, you might've mentioned it. What, what did you see for yields with, with your corn crop, for example? Actually, um, even with the late maturity and a little higher harvest moistures than what we tend to be used to here in the region, we had record yields this year. Really? Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. So it's probably what, you know, overall, acre for acre, uh, maybe just the best year I've ever had in my farming career. Hmm. Well, that's uh, that part's good to hear. We're we're happy that you can report that, even though the yeah. harvest has gone slow. Now that doesn't help the price situation a whole lot because lots of challenges worldwide when it comes to commodity prices. Yeah, what um, do you mean? What's what's going on with commodity prices? Well, prices are way down. Things like corn and wheat. Uh, we've seen a little rally here recently on soybeans uh, based on South American weather challenges really hot and dry in South America. And of course they're planting in South America mm -hmm. as we're harvesting here right, in North right. America. And uh, El Nino's kicking in. I saw that. And that, that was one of the things I wanted to, uh, to talk about here during the show today was El Nino, the latest, uh, some of the things I watch online as far as, you know, climatology reports, uh, they're, they're saying that El Nino has established itself, that it's, yes. that it's, you know, that it is happening. And, um, they were talking about what we can expect over the next several weeks. And it looks like it's going to be a very wet pattern, but a warmer pattern for us. Is that yes. what you're hearing? Yeah. And we will have these 
as we've talked about in the past, these right. intermittent blasts of cold air um, that will spark some lake effect. Yep. A lot of nor'easters, uh, so a lot of Gulf moisture coming up the coast that will clash with that those blasts of cold air coming out of Canada. But then we'll have you know significant warm up yep. periods. I, I actually was watching the the one report in particular that I watch. Uh, the gentleman was talking about um, how a little bit later into the winter season, um, the um, the um, Jet stream along with, I'm trying to remember, what was the northern flow called? Anyways, the two uh, primary, uh, you know, uh, atmospheric uh, flows, the jet stream and there's this other one to the north, how it looked like they were going to align along the east coast of the United States towards the end of this month, I believe, mm-hmm. this month being December, coming yes. into December. Um, and that that would, you were talking about nor'easters, yeah. they're expecting nor'easters anyways, but when those two flows align along the eastern coast of the United States, he was saying that we can expect some pretty massive um, uh, nor'easter snowstorms. Yeah, so areas like Washington, D.C. to Boston and up the coast of Maine, we'll see significant, significant, yeah, major snowfalls, yeah, uh, from those. And uh, and our risk here really is that wraparound, um, you know, that we'll get coming across the lake of yeah, that cooler air. If yeah. it's a polar vortex yeah. getting sucked down by that system, that's where we'll get the snow from. But yeah, it. Uh, he was indicating that you know the the nor'easters could be pretty massive here in December, January, and that you know they may be major, major snowfall events for the the New yeah. England states. So it'll be and, interesting to watch. And then our friend Sean Hackett, who's been on our show yep. previous, Sean's work is showing uh, basically what Sean is calling for the Midwest anyway, in the Upper Midwest. A failed spring um, where they'll get this warm up in late March, early April. We'll bring crops out of dormancy like wheat. Uh, we'll get some crops planted very, very early. And then a significant uh, late spring cold snap, extended period of cold, bringing frost to uh, crops that are already growing. And basically what you call a failed spring where hmm. basically will be big enough area, cold enough to kill off early planted crops and wheat crops that are already moving wow. along uh, in there. So lots of challenges when yeah, it comes yeah. to weather. Um, but, you <laughs> I know, hope we, Sean's wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because we're seeing the world um, – be almost out of grain, yet uh, we're seeing prices being challenged. Uh, places like Russia, they're dumping wheat uh, on the world market at very low prices to finance their war. Mm-hmm. But now there's some discussion here this week that their wheat, their winter wheat crop did not get planted very well. Uh, so their acreage is way down. It's off to a very poor start. They're predicted to have a very, very cold winter. 
And now there's a worry that their wheat stocks could basically be depleted. Mm. And they are the world's leading grower of wheat. Then we couple that with India's failed monsoon. Um, India's in trouble. They've they've already eliminated exports of things like rice, sugar, and wheat. Well, I was just going to say that, that they've eliminated yeah. a lot of exports to other yeah. countries around the world because of the problems that they're having internally. Yeah. South Africa is very, very, very hot. Brazil is very, very hot. I mean, we're talking 110, 120-degree temperatures in places like South Africa and Brazil with lack of rainfall. So any crops that are getting planted there now have are really suffering. A hmm. um, lot of replanting going on. Uh, anytime they get a little bit of rain, they replant, but they're saying the evaporation rates are so strong with 120-degree temperatures that uh, – no meaningful rainfall is going to overcome yeah. that. Now, Ron, what is your source of information for that kind of? Some of our listeners might be wondering, how does Ron know what's happening down in South Africa? Yeah, so a couple things. Uh, there's various podcasts out there that that give this kind of information almost on a daily basis that I like to listen to. I do have connections in other parts of the world. Um, well, you had two South Africans. Yeah, working on and the actually, farm. one of them, uh, his brother, actually farms in South Africa and is really struggling to get his crop planted. So mm. that's really, and then uh, one of our advisors for the farm just had a hunting trip in Zimbabwe, and he said it was brutally hot, uh, 120 degrees. Um, at night, the the solar batteries would go dead around two a.m. and the fans would shut off. Oh, no, <laughs> that's not good. But and then we have a young man in Brazil who is farming with his father there that worked for us for two years, so we stay in constant communication as well. And it's it's amazing the uh, global network that exists yeah. from North Harbor Dairy yeah. and Old McDonald's Farm in. Uh, uh, Sackets little Harbor. old Sackets Harbor. You know, it's yeah. probably why the CIA is, you know, patrolling yeah. through the city so often, Rob. Right? <laughs> yeah, they probably have my phone on uh, <laughs> on some listening device. Yeah, maybe right? you and I shouldn't have the conversations <laughs> that we have uh, privately. It might not be a good idea. But you know, if you don't in agriculture today, if you don't understand it from a global perspective. Um, you are really hindering your ability to make good decisions. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I've learned that. I'm not a farmer, yeah. but from where I sit, I can see where those that are, are watching the, the global in agricultural industry, the global food industry, and watching the political and climate uh, patterns have a leg up on those that don't look beyond the mailbox. Yeah. Certainly helps in marketing, helps in business decisions, uh, what kind of crops you're growing, um, when you want to market them, how you want to market them, that type of thing. So, you know, and I, I know you brought up uh, Ukraine, yeah. for instance, yeah. just as kind of a lead in here. Uh, there is grain moving through the Black Sea. It's very challenging to get that grain out. Uh, Russia's kind of calling the shots as to what they let out. And when they let it out, mm -hmm. and every now and then they don't let it out. Yeah, and mine a <laughs> ship or bomb a, you know, a, a freight, port, yeah. and uh, just to 
kind of let everybody know we're still in control. I mean, a lot of people say this, you know, the Ukraine war is is basically over. Russia has won. Uh, however, those that want the war to continue are are kicking the can down the road, right, so to right. speak. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of money is pouring in there from various places around the world to keep that war going. And I saw the other day where the president of Ukraine, him and his buddies just bought two yachts for a total of $75 million. Well, damn, must be nice. <laughs> Wished I could go buy my yacht while I'm helping my country fight a war. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't get to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Man. You know, I've, uh, you and I have talked about, Ron, and I think we've even said it here on the show that, you know, it appears now that it's the that military-industrial complex that's keeping the war going. They're not fighting it to win. They're fighting it to maintain it so that there's a market for the, mm-hmm. the weapons and ammunition yes. and so on. Yeah. And that's just so sad. Yeah, me. and a lot of money's flowing through the various channels, and I think a lot of it flows right back to, you know, that military-industrial complex's pockets, which ultimately leads back, in my opinion, to some of the politicians. And, you know, it's just a big circle. And unfortunately, there's a lot of innocent people that are suffering. Because of it. Yeah. Because of it. Yeah, if you're going to fight a war, fight it to win it. Yeah. Not to maintain it. Yeah. And And we uh, haven't seen that. So, you know, that's leaving a lot of question marks, Jay, about... Our food complex around the world here right now, uh, of course, China's economy, you know, if you listen to Peter's Island and some others, uh, you know, he's he's kind of an expert on China. His podcast is always very informative. Their economy is in really, really bad shape. You know, yes, there's a lot of worry about them invading Taiwan, and a lot of people think now that they can't afford to invade Taiwan. Hmm. And they can't afford the U.S. to be potentially taking any action that would shut off shipping lanes. Um, Their real estate values have plummeted there in China, according to Peter. Um, You know, so it's kind of interesting to see certainly exports to China of of grain are way, way down. But But why would that be if they're they're having uh, production problems themselves? Why aren't they importing more grain crops? Well, they've pretty much depleted all the grain in Brazil and Argentina. So they've been buying there because of political and financial um, uh, issues in South America. They've been able to buy grain out of those countries very, very cheap to the point where if Brazil and Argentina don't produce a crop, they will have no grain to even support their domestic needs. Sooner or later, China will have to come back to the U.S. Well, and I was just about to say that explains, potentially explains why all of a sudden, uh, you know, China is sitting down with the United States and trying to be friendly. Yes. Maybe the handwriting is on the wall. We're going to need their food. And our Secretary of Agriculture made a comment. Uh, I've never thought he was much of an expert on world grain trade, but he did make a comment, comment here this past week just after President Xi was in San Francisco sitting down with our administration that China would be coming back and buying U.S. corn. Hmm. There you go. So, you know, 
take that for whatever it's worth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ron, like you and I have always said, it's all about the food. Yes. The country, sure. the country that can feed its own people has the, the, the best strength and foundation that you can ask for. The country that cannot feed its people, that's exporting its food production to, uh, to other countries, is the weakest country. And we've always we've always said that we've always said that you know because as we watch things happen here in the United States and we see environmental groups protest about you know farms doing certain practices here or animal rights groups protest against you know certain practices here. Okay, so we create those rules and regulations to meet those emotional demands, and then we bring the food in from other countries. Yeah. yeah. Which makes no sense because their standards usually yeah. aren't as good, right? And it weakens our uh, our capacity to feed our own people. If you can't feed your own people, somebody else will, and then you're at their yeah their you know, mercy their mercy yeah, and that's not a good place to be. And you know, you just you see all this happening out there, and you watch the trends, you watch the cycles, and that argument. That ability to feed yourself and that makes you strong just keeps coming back up. And it's why we're doing the food resiliency grant program here in Jefferson right, County. Correct. Yep. So that we can produce more food for our people here locally. Thank you to the Jefferson County Board of Legislators. Absolutely. And their and their foresight in this. And you know, I really believe, Jay, that the the Northeast is going to experience a renaissance in the agricultural sector here over the next decade. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a lot of investment come here on the dairy side. Um, we're seeing, uh, even, even in a government like New York, who has not been real friendly to agriculture in the past with a lot of rules and regulations, even starting to, you know, soften some of that stance a little bit, make it a little easier for growth, uh, things, tax credits and other things uh, coming our way. So while we've been challenged on the labor front and some other things, you know, there's some other things coming back our direction that are helping. So Pennsylvania, certainly, uh, you know, a big player in the Northeast when it comes to food production and processing, hogs and chickens mainly. Mm-hmm. Um We've got dairy in New York, uh, dairy in Vermont. Um, we've got processing plants that are close to the people. Um, you know, with our highway infrastructure being challenged, uh, being I think a lot of these companies have looked at the cost of transportation of finished goods and saying we're a lot better off making this closer to the people. Well, and think about think about the the trend that we're seeing now towards uh, electric-based vehicles, Mm -hmm. electric-based transportation. Well, if if that's the the future of transportation, I would argue that long-haul transportation from the West Coast to the East Coast is going to be less feasible because... For sure. You know, those vehicles, whether they're electric trains, electric tractor trailers, or whatever, they they can't haul, you know, a a a 
one route, a one, you know, you know what I mean. They can't and, fuel up and head, yeah, head east, yeah. right? <laughs> um, Without a lot of stops. Uh, and, a lot of stops. Yeah. Uh, they're just not going to be able to do it. And yeah. especially it's going to take, you know, decades at a minimum to build that kind of infrastructure. So that puts, that that is forcing or should force uh, our communities from the local level to the regional to the state level here on the East Coast to to look at, okay, we have to make sure that we're producing the food for our markets here because it's not going to be as easy to transport it from west to east or east to west. So, yep. That's my crazy thought for today. That is just my opinion. It does no, not no, reflect I, the opinion of my agency. Opinion. Let's face it, you know, making something in rural South Dakota and having to transport it to Boston or New York City is not going to be easy under those under those circumstances. Yeah. So you know, these companies are going to have to face that reality because that's happening, yeah. whether we want it to or not. You know, we we see here in New York the push towards electric Electric, uh, electrification. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and, and that's going to present some real challenges, transportation tra- challenges. So, well, you um, know, Jay, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to DFA had a Northeast regional leadership meeting and, um, the new CEO for DFA was there and, uh, uh, spoke to the group and, uh, Super, super presentation that he gave. And he talked about a lot of these big food companies are really kind of softening their stance pretty quickly on all this climate uh, and sustainability and, uh, you know, ESG scoring, (laughs) uh, environmental social governance. Um, You know, so they're already realizing that the cost to implement those things is so prohibitive um, that it's going to hurt them. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that was brought up at that meeting that was really good news is we're seeing a resurgence of dairy with the consumers. Um, They're moving away from sugary drinks, Mm -hmm. uh, much more health conscious, I think, coming out of COVID. Um, And that seems to have sustained itself where everybody thought maybe that would just be a fad mm-hmm. so they're buying local they're eating healthier and they're realizing that dairy is one of those healthy foods right something like cottage cheese is flying off the shelf. hp hood cannot keep up with the demand for cottage cheese yeah. and sour cream and you know they talked about at the meeting the uh, the twenty to thirty year olds are leading the charge on that. Yep, yep, they're coming back the dairy. Yeah, and we said they would when yeah. after the pandemic. We yeah. said it was going to happen, and it is. Yeah, it is happening. So regardless of all the you know the propaganda that gets put out there about dairy and fat and healthy fat versus unhealthy fat, they're realizing that healthy fat, which is dairy. Mm-hmm. Unhealthy fat is sugary drinks and, you know, cause of diabetes and all kinds of other things um, is where you want to be in your diet. 
No, so. I, I absolutely agree. Hey, I'm going to change uh, topics here uh, real quick. Going to take a real... Uh, a real left turn? A real left turn, <laughs> totally out of nowhere. Uh, a hook. Uh, I don't know if our listeners will remember, but we interviewed uh, Stephanie Nash, country music singer mm-hmm. and an agricultural advocate uh, back, I think it was earlier this year, we interviewed yeah. Stephanie. Yeah. And, You've actually uh, had conversations uh, yeah. about or uh, with Stephanie since. Uh, what's been going on? Well, so it's pretty interesting. You know, Stephanie's a, a young lady, farms with her dad in just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. She's an aspiring singer, but more importantly, she's an agricultural advocate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she yeah. can lay she's it out. She's got a lot of fire in her belly. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and which I love her energy. And, uh, you know, really what we've been able to do is continue that conversation. She's involved uh, with the presidential campaign uh, for the Republican Party. Wow. uh, To build an an agricultural and business-friendly platform. Nice. So she actually asked me to commission some of my contacts around the country to provide some input on that, which we were able to do. And uh, so that's been great. Um, we've talked a little bit about getting Stephanie up here next summer for. Uh, I uh, think we should for an on-site event. Yeah, and uh, so Jay and I are going to brainstorm that a little bit. But you know, it's really great. What I really love about Stephanie is that she is not self-promoting like a lot of advocates out there. You know, they're kind of in it for themselves, in it for the the fame and you know of being on youtube or being on uh you know uh some of the other social media outlets she's really in it to make agricultural better agriculture better yeah yeah and and help people understand where their food comes from and some of the challenges that we face so it's been a great opportunity to get to know her, uh, work with her a little bit here, and if we can uh, get her up here next summer, which she said she'd love to do, uh, get her out and have her meet the, some of the community here. I'd love to have her come up for the dairy parade. Love to yes. have her in a dairy parade. Have a big event out at your place. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe fireworks or a concert yeah. or something like that. And... Um, you know, I, I just think uh, we'll bring her to the ballpark. If it's in yeah. June, we'll yeah. have ball games started up then. We can bring her to the ballpark, have her yeah. throw a first pitch. And yeah. I don't know if she sings the national anthem, but oh, she I'm does. Oh, I'm sure she does. We, She's pretty. She always has a flag. She's got in a the great background. voice. Yeah. Great voice. So uh, we I think we're going to work on that, Jay. I, you know, it's just great to see a young lady from that generation have so much passion about uh, agriculture and the willingness to make that investment to really help the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And she is, she's yeah. really putting a lot into it. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get Stephanie. If you're listening, obviously we want you back. We want yeah. you up here in Jefferson County. So uh, we'll be in touch and uh, try to make pl- some plans with Stephanie. Well, Ron, I think we're getting near the end of the show. Yeah. Anything anything else we've missed? No, well, I'm headed south uh, tomorrow, Jay. So the next week, if we talk, uh, hopefully we can get back on a regular schedule. Yeah, we, we have to. We've been really And remiss. we'll line up some guests, folks, that uh, uh, will uh, 
maybe make it a little more interesting than just listening to me and Jay. Uh, well, I, I I did have somebody approach me. I I did a show without you uh, there recently, yeah. And and they said, you know, you did a really really good job, but we, it's it's better when it's you and Ron. Oh. Just <laughs> they like the rapport we have, and yeah. so yeah, it's. I said, all right, I'll bring him back. Yeah, jeez, I'll up his pay from <laughs> zero to zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get you. You, you don't have to stop and buy coffee on Yeah, the oh, I get a free we'll coffee. We'll give you a free coffee here, so. No, I, uh, so I'm headed down south, uh, going to take a few days off. Um, Nancy and I are going to gonna make our way down. I'm going to then, once I get there, start making prep preparations for my winter farming endeavors down there. Yeah, you're going to plant some more corn gonna in Florida, Going to plant huh? some more corn. And, nice. um uh, so we'll get that kind of planned, be back uh, a week or so before Christmas for a couple of weeks, and uh, then we'll be back down there for hopefully a good part of the winter. But uh, So we're certainly uh, looking forward to just uh, kicking back for a few days here and uh, not having to accomplish a whole lot. Well, there you go. Oh, uh, if I know you, you'll be accomplishing a lot. Oh, we'll get something done, Jay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The grass doesn't seem to grow between no. your toes too much. So, well, very good. Glad you're getting down there, and uh, glad you were able to come in uh, this morning and join me here to uh, do a podcast. Yeah, and my pleasure. And folks, like always, we really appreciate all of you tuning in to our podcast. Here, we will try and be a little bit more regular. Ron and I have busy schedules, but we'll try to do get on the air a little bit more often. I know a few of you have said some things to me to say, "Hey, where are you guys?" But uh, glad you all had, hopefully, a great Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, if you happen to uh, think of it, um, even though you might not be Jewish, go buy a menorah and put it in your window uh, just to show your support for the Jewish people as they deal with all of the hatred that's out there in uh in the world today. It's getting kind of crazy, isn't it? Anyways, uh, this is Jay Madison along with my co-host Ron Robbins uh, saying thank you very much for joining us on Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.